Welcome to Hero's Journey Physio Fitness. Our mission is to empower, inspire, and mentor people to reclaim their health and become self-reliant in their fitness. I'm your host, Dr. Cameron Hogue. Join with me as my co-host, Annabelle Rios. All right, Doc, we're going to go live in three, two, one. one. Ooh, together that time. <laughs> we didn't even plan that. It it's just like, happened. It's like those movies where they're like, together, and they jump off a we're in train sync. into a river or whatever. Um, hey, everybody. Um, before we get started, like always, follow us on social media. There is a link tree in the description. I hear that this thing is a tree that has links you can That's find how us it works you can find us on multiple platforms almost like branches almost like branches yes um through those social media you can always comment you can message us they call them dms that's what, what the, the kids say the kids <laughs> calling them stands for direct message uh for future topics um i know we've gotten a couple and uh we'll do our best to start to incorporate those in but we are starting a new series today you want to tell them what we're starting, Annabelle? It's called Miss, Myths, myth. con- Conceptions. It's like misconceptions, <laughs> but, but, but there's a myth. We thought it was really clever. You might not. But um, we're going to talk about a bunch of um, what we would consider um, myths in the rehab and the fitness and the health space um, and kind of cover those topics. Yeah, some some of the common ones you've you probably heard that everybody just says that's yeah. known wisdom, quote unquote. Quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And I hear a lot. So practicing in the clinic, I hear so many of these. I'm talking like sometimes this is going to sound weird. Sometimes <laughs> I almost feel like a priest and, like, <laughs> and patients are like coming to me and they're like trying to like confess like, Cam, I know. I'm sorry for all the running I used to do. That's why I'm hurting now. Or I know this exercise was bad. Please forget. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's. And they and people come and just say, my some, child, you already forgiven. <laughs> and you're just, <laughs> and you're like, whoa. I don't think that's why you're hurting now. Anyway, but people have all these sorts of topics that they'll come and say, Father Hogue. <laughs> don't call me Father Hogue. <laughs> I don't have a kid yet. So. Yeah. Anyway, um, but today's topic is going to be, is running bad for your joints? I think everybody immediately says, that, oh, running's terrible for you. Oh, I've heard that so many times. Oh, the, the impact on your body is just it's so too bad. much. Um, you know, you work with someone with some knee pain or they just had a joint replacement and they're like, yep, it was from uh, back in high school when I played cross or ran cross country. You know, that's why my knees are bad mm-hmm. and that's why I had to get this surgery. Um you hear a bunch of stuff like that. So um, is that a myth or is there some validity to this? So we're going to dive in and there's a lot to cover today, but I think it'd be worth everyone's time to Make sure you sit down, get some pen and paper. It's like an episode of Mythbusters right here. Yeah. Mythbusters. Um, so I think before we should even talk about is running bad for your joints, we need to talk about what a joint is and then the bad, you know, when we say what, it, what does bad mean? Um, so we can understand the question a little bit better yeah. because that's a very vague question. So joints um, are essentially where two bones meet. They call it in the fancy word articulate, where two bones articulate. The bone becomes more chondral to subchondral to cartilage. And the cartilage is where it articulates with another bone cartilage. So they usually call it articular cartilage. 
and that's a and that's a joint. Most joints, <coughs> excuse me, are uh, we call them synovial joints, meaning they have synovial fluid um, as well as the articular cartilage as they you know mm. move around. There are other joints that are not. I mean, technically, the sutures in your skull are, are considered joints, but they don't move and don't have synovial fluid. We're talking about you know the big joints, knees, hips, shoulders, yeah. you know all that kind of stuff. Um, so that's what a joint is. Um, and then when we're talking about bad, I believe majority of the time what people are saying is the degeneration. Like you can, you're wearing it down. You're like wearing that, it that down. That little in between between the joints, you're wearing you're that just, down. Yes. And you can't get that back. Right. So that's what we'd call osteoarthritis. Mm. Henceforth to be known as OA or wear and tear or, you know, we'll, we'll just call it osteoarthritis or degeneration um, or just OA. And that's usually what we mean when people say bad. Running's bad for your knees, for those joints, because you're going to develop osteoarthritis. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes even your hip, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. You yeah. hear that a lot. P- specifically when we're talking about running bad for your joints, we're, we're going to be looking more at the knees yep. because um, that's usually what people refer to. But yeah, I, I have also heard hips as well. Um, you don't hear it as often for the ankles, but um, we'll focus more on the knees. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we know what joints are now. What is OA? What is this? So it, it, it is a disease process. There is a inflammatory component as well as a degeneration component. Without getting technical, I, I even broke into the old PT uh, pathophysiology book this week to, you know, make sure I really know what I'm talking about here. And it goes really deep, and I don't want to go that deep. But essentially, you are things are breaking down quicker than they can repair, because your body's also in the state of recovery and repair and breakdown. And essentially, what's going on is the breakdown of the cartilage is um, it's breaking down faster than it can repair. Um, hmm. So you're overworking it. Potentially. Potentially, yeah. Um, there are some risk factors we're going to cover here in sure. a second. But um, a c- some common things that I hear about this is you don't, quote-unquote, catch away like a cold or a virus. I hear a patient— Once you get it, man, it's not going away. Right. Like I, I, I hear a lot of patients say, oh, I, I caught the arthritis. Uncle Art came to visit, and I caught it. We do call it Uncle Art sometimes. <laughs> okay, I was like, who's this uncle you speak of? Uncle Arthritis. Oh, Uncle oh. Art. <laughs> gotcha. Um, anyway, so you it to me. Yeah, you don't catch yeah. it, and then it just kind of snakes its way into your joints. It also doesn't spread to the rest of your body like some sort of systemic disease, like AIDS or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, like some people will say, like, well, I, I, yeah, the arthritis has eaten me up. It started in my knees, and now it's in my, my hips hands. and hands and shoulders. Yeah. And it doesn't spread like huh. that. It's not, I mean, there's also a difference between osteoarthritis and rheumatoid arthritis. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the breakdown of the joint. High level, explain those two separately. Disti- what, what is the two difference between the two? Just like uh, high 10, level. Foot, foot view. Yeah. T- uh, one is an autoimmune. One is uh, your body. Yeah. Okay. And this one is wear and tear. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you don't catch it and it doesn't spread. And here's a big, here's the big thing. Every person will have degeneration of their joints as they age. The key, the thing is, some people will j- degenerate faster than others. So I don't want people to think of like, oh, you know, like this person has it, and I like everyone's yeah. gonna get it. Every like as we age, gravity, father wind, time, father time is gonna shrink our joint. Like everyone gets smaller for a reason because your joints are shrinking. <laughs> 
you're ki- you were there's less you're getting shorter there's less space uh it's gonna happen so arthritis is gonna happen to everybody some people it does not affect because there still remains minimal some people mm. it affects severely and you know they have more pain and stiffness and swell stuff like that but every person will get it but there are some risk factors things that i want to say that makes you develop it faster accelerates the process Ex- yes so don't think of these risk factors as like oh i have this so therefore not only am i going to get it but then you know Annabelle's not because he doesn't have these it's everyone's going to get it it's going to speed up for some one is obesity obviously the more weight you carry on your body the more pressure it's going to give on your joints so over time i can confirm <laughs> um <laughs> over time obesity is a risk factor there's also some where the like if the joints didn't form correctly, you know, during birth, and so they're not articulating well. Maybe mm. um, they're not in the correct um, alignment and stuff like that. So that means over time, the it's gonna, uh, quote unquote, whittle down faster, wear ta- wear down faster potentially. Um, also, there there is studies that there's uh, there's history of joint damage or joint surgery, it increases your risk factor of developing it faster. Mm. people who have had their ACL repaired have a higher risk of developing it faster. Doesn't mean that, you know, that they won't, but it's just they, they're... Uh, they're a higher risk. They're a higher risk. Yeah, okay. And there's some other things, but those are kind of the main ones. Sometimes there's uh, genetics involved or race. I don't... I don't. Again, it's about developing it faster, Yeah. not not developing it. Mm, makes so. me think of like building your muscle helps protect it too. Absolutely. I mean, we'll get into that, but essentially, I know, I'm the getting sh- ahead of myself. You're getting ahead of yourself, but if you think about what can protect a joint, the surrounding musculature can protect the joint. So, um, I had this theory, okay, and this one isn't researched, and I don't even know if I necessarily came up with this, but I have a few hypotheses, and here's what it is is a concept of are your joints rusting out or are they worn out? So what I mean by that is when people come in and they say, I have knee pain, I've got arthritis, um, Cam, it's because I wrestled in high school and I, I did some heavy squats in college mm. and uh, now I'm paying the price. I'm paying the price for what I did in my youth. Basically they're saying I wore out my joints. Okay. Um, versus what I have to say by rusting out is, okay, you might have did that in high school or college, but the last 40 years, what have you done? Well, I've sat on my butt. So did you wear your joints out or have your joints been rusting out over the last 40 years? You mm, know, you're not yeah. using it like you would on a car. You know, if you're keeping that oil changed, you know, you're running that car um, or you're letting it sit in the garage and rust, which, you know, which is it? Um, and this is just a theory. Yeah. Like there's no necessarily research on this, but I do have some hypothesis and this is what I believe from what I've seen and what I understand about the human body. So my hypothesis is that in terms of activity, the majority of joint degeneration OA mm-hmm. is due to inactivity in the body rusting out, not because of wearing out a joint due to activity level. I think the inactivity is what's causing the joint to degenerate, like rusting out. So that's causing a greater issue than not working out or not being active. That's what I'm. That's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, 
in your youth, maybe you damaged your knee and had to have surgery. And again, that's a risk factor for potentially getting it on mm-hmm. later or developing it faster. Um, it could be a, a little above. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Well, you're saying if you had to pick one. If I had to pick one, well, because I go. think I think right now what the mindset is is that they're wearing out their joints. Exactly. And, and the resting yeah. out isn't even part of the question. And I'm saying, I think majority. So uh, over 50%. I don't know. I'm not saying it's 90 10. Sure. But I'm saying over 50% of what I think I see in the clinic is due to rusting out, not be a joint being worn out. Yeah. Um, I have a second hypothesis in terms of diet, which also plays a role in this, is that the majority of joint degeneration is due to a higher consumption of processed food and added sugar, leading to more inflammation in the joints and causing chronic elevation of inflammatory markers. I also mm. think that's a reason why, because OA also has that, inflammatory not just degeneration but inflammatory part of it as well yeah the itis arthritis meaning inflammation so i also think there's a diet component so if you think of america we are the sad diet the standard american diet is Mm -hmm. full of processed foods added sugars and inactivity and therefore we're getting lots of joint replacements and knee pain and hip pain and all these types of pain. You're just so inflamed and, and you now, don't even know. Yeah, and what we're then what we're saying is, well, it's not because of that, it's actually because I used to run. Running is the reason why. And it's like, is that the reason or is it all these other things is the reason? And my hypothesis is it's the other things. Again, it's multivariable. Exactly. It's not like there's a one thing that's leading to all right. of it. I think it's a because you know there's diet, environmental factors, smoking, yeah. genetic, all these type of things. But nature versus nurture. I just think <clears throat> majority is a rust out. Mm. So um, I can see that. What I what I'm proposing is I think a lot of people see exercise or they see physical activity as just whittling away their joint integrity. It's just, what's leading to the issues. Yeah, I'm just it's just you know I'm paying the price for those former sports and workouts I did in high school. And I'm going to say generally, this is not true. Generally. I, generally. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure there's specific cases, cases, but the minority should not dictate the majority. The majority of people should not see their bodies as fragile pieces of paper ready to be torn or burned by any sudden movement. Yeah, it's like a lot of times we see the exceptions and we try to make them the rules, where it should not be the case. Yeah, we our bodies are strong. Majority. I know that there's specific cases, autoimmune genetics. I'm not trying to talk about not that. Not me, Cam. <laughs> I'm talking about the majority, and I'm yeah. proposing that protecting your joints and not letting them rust out is what's going to um, protect you and keep your joints healthy throughout your lifespan. That's what I'm proposing. So, with all that being said, let's get into is running bad for your knees. All right. Um, did you used to run a lot as a kid? That's all you do as a kid. Well, well, hold on. Back in our day. Back in the that's day. That's what you did. Mom yeah. kicked us out of the house and said, you can't come in until dinner or nighttime, and you better like go play. It's like a movie. Go get into some trouble. I know. I don't want to see you until 8 o'clock. <laughs> and, man, we used to do so much running back in the day. That's all you do. Kick run, football, hide and seek. Uh, if Even if you look at, uh, at least in my, in my uh, case study and the kids in my neighborhood, we're all fit. No, no kid was overweight in my neighborhood because we all played outside. And even if you were, it wasn't... You were still pretty in pretty good shape. You yeah. could still hold your own playing uh, the sports and everything. Yeah, you were always running. And uh, I don't ever recall being injured other than maybe falling you off the skateboard. Yeah, or, falling know, off the bike or something like that. But I don't that, ever remember being injured because of all the running I did. Dude, I don't remember those times. Even in the summertime, you would not even eat. Mm-hmm. Yet alone barely drink anything. And you would just run, 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 run for hours. Yes. 
in the next day? Nothing. Go back to it. Go back to it again. Again, again. It's almost like you trained your body to do so, you know what I mean? Like you were your body was had adapted and it was prepared. Yeah. Me. But anyway. Um so I really like uh there's this great book. If you're if you're a reader and you and you're wanting to get into running, you want to be inspired, there's a book called Born to Run. It's one of the most famous books by Christopher McDougall. McDougall. Mm-hmm. McDougall. Yeah. Um, but there's a quote in it that I love. Um, he said, we're constantly being told that running will ruin our knees and outrage our hearts. But for nearly all of human existence, it has associated with freedom, vitality, and eternal youth. Ooh. How do people get around back in the day, Cam? They ran and they walked and ran. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. um, and again, there's pushback, you know, you hear it all the time. Running's going to be bad on your knees. You develop degeneration. You know, you're have you heard of the theory that it's because a lot of it has to do with shoes and weak feet? We're going to talk about this. Yeah, we'll yeah. get to. There's another good book too. It's called Running with the Kenyans. Very similar to this one, but not as popular. I actually haven't read that one. It's kind of similar. You know, th- this guy goes and checks out the Kenyans and how they're they're great in the Olympics at running. So yeah, that'd be pretty interesting. I'd like to read that. Yeah. Okay, so how we're going to determine is running bad for your joints is I got a series of questions that we're going to answer. I've got research articles attached um, to the end of this. Everything is backed up um, by the research. So question one, what are some of the most common running injuries and how does this affect our joints? Okay. So there was a systematic review, uh, high level research um, that looked at the most common running injuries. And these are the most common from uh, most common to least common. Mm-hmm. And here's the order. Ready? All so right. you've got medial tibial stress syndrome, a.k.a. shin splints. You have Achilles tendinopathy, a.k.a. Achilles tendinitis, plantar fasciitis, patellar tendinopathy, IT band syndrome, stress fracture, and what we call patellofemoral pain syndrome. Okay? Those are the most common to the least common. Yep. Um. And again, there there's some risk factors for getting those. A lot of it is history of injury, and then also your weekly distance. Did you run? Did you just start running? You never ran before, and you went out and ran three miles. You're probably going to give yourself some shin splints. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt. So a lot of this also had to do with, yeah, some people were just going too hard, too fast. You know, they had a previous injury that they never rehabbed or tried to correct, and then they did out did it again, that kind of thing. All right, we talked about this earlier. Running, what what do you, what position are you primarily in? One foot. One foot. Right. It's almost like trying to do a split squat with mm-hmm. a lot of weight, and you haven't lifted weights in maybe ever or <laughs> a lot of years. Yeah. And you load the bar up with, I don't know how whatever your weight is, and you try to squat it. Man, you're not gonna be able to do it. You're gonna mm-hmm. get hurt most likely. You're most, and that's the same thing with running. Same in that, similar to running. Um. Because I've definitely done that. Anyway. Yeah, we all have. <laughs> and the thing, that what I think is so interesting, even about uh, these injuries and knowing that it could be previous injuries and or they didn't taper or, I mean, um, on board or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. progress correctly. Most of these are what we call soft tissue injuries, meaning it's to the tendon, to the muscle. The only couple that are bone are the patellofemoral pain syndrome, which is a general term for just knee pain, knee joint pain, which was the least common. And then, of course, the the stress fracture, which was also one of the least common. That's usually an overuse. Like, you just did too much. Yeah. So the real, everything else is pretty much soft tissue in nature, muscle, bone. 
So if we're looking at it even from a muscle injury perspective, most of the muscle injuries are, are, are from a injury perspective, most of them are just muscle. They're not even like hurting the joint or the bone. Hmm. If we're looking at it from the most common to the least common. So I just thought that was interesting. And then there was also another recent study that found that, so they looked at marathon running and or training. So some people actually, they just trained for it, but didn't run it in middle-aged adults that had damage to the subchondral bone. So we talked earlier about the degeneration of articular cartilage. That Mm -hmm. means their cartilage is already being worn down and they're past the cartilage. Now they're in the subchondral bone. So these people, they had the MRIs and the x-rays to prove it. Uh, There was damage. Um, And when they trained for a marathon, after one month, they actually saw improvements. They saw improvements to the bone, the subchondral bone. How long would that be? After training for one month for a marathon. Now they did find some um, increased injury with uh, the hamstring and IT band. Hmm. But again, those are soft tissue. Those aren't even joint. So I kind of saw this and thought, man, most of these findings are actually consistent with, you know, the most common running injuries in that it actually shot, uh, saw improvements to the joint itself. Make you a little stronger. Yeah. So... I don't know. I thought that was That's interesting. interesting. Yeah. yeah, interesting study. Uh, again, we can link all the studies in the show notes or whatever, but I thought that was super interesting. <clears throat> there was also another study. This was an old one in 1990. Uh, uh, American Journal of Sports Medicine. They found that long-distance runners were not at an increased risk of developing osteoarthritis compared to non-runners. So I know it was a while back, Yeah, over, over 30 years ago or whatever. But yeah, they saw that, yeah, runners, non-runners, the the running was not the risk factor. There might be yeah. other risk factors, but that was not it. Yeah, it's just easier to blame that than really take a look at and try to figure out what's really going on with your body. Yeah, it's so easy just to cast blame on just one thing versus taking a, you know, look at yourself. Holistic approach, Holistic man. approach and saying, well, maybe it's been my diet and my inactivity. And what we're about to get into is, you know, proper form. Yeah, it's like with anything. The solution and the problem isn't just one thing. Correct. So. Okay, next question. Next question, Doc. <clears throat> is what are the proper biomechanics of running? Dun, 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 dun. So here's a, qu- uh, here's a quote from a, a research article. It says, the study of biomechanics of running refers to uh, understanding the structure, function, and capability of the lower extremity and the overall kinetic chain that allows a human to run. So some of those um, errors that we see... Again, everyone's a little different, but these are some common errors. One being pelvic drop or tilt. So like when people are running, their hips are constantly kind of almost, you know, going like a ship at sea, just kind of rocking back and forth. Mm. Um, that's in proper form. That's going to lead more stress into your joints and your hips potentially. Or actually, I shouldn't even say that. More into the soft tissue structures because those are the most common injuries. Yeah. Um, so another thing is hip adduction which is essentially very similar to the hip dropping it just means that the hip is kind of caving in kind of going more medially more inside putting more stress on those and honestly with this one when i was training for the marathon i was starting to get some hip pain and uh it's because of the hip drop and that hip adduction my hips were just kind of slowly caving in putting a lot of stress on my uh, on my muscles Mm. and i started to develop some like hip pain muscular in nature two things hmm. one we should do a video and show people 
how not to run and then how to run. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, because it's more visual. It's easier to, than yeah, this might be hard. Hard to like picture it. Second, the long the longer the distance you go, man, your form starts to break down. Starts to break down. You gotta you gotta progress accordingly. You have to because that's when all the injuries happen too. I would agree with you. Most of the injuries happen when you, your form starts to break down. You start to get that hip drop. You start mm-hmm. to get that. Um, hip abduction or the next thing is knee valgus also that means knees caving in so basically you're just you're basically just caving in on yourself and then the foot pronation goes with that meaning like your even your ankles are rolling in so everything like is going towards midline and putting a lot of stress it band hip musculature uh, patellar tendon a lot of those soft tissue structures that we talked about um and, and again it puts us in a compromised position like you're saying um you're putting yourself in at greater risk. Yeah, exactly. and some of these can be you just don't have the right form. You didn't know. Some of it could you just be weak. You could have weak hips. You might not yeah. have that endurance. You might be overtraining, like you said. Mm-hmm. You could be wearing the incorrect shoe, maybe trying to put you into a bad position. So how we get out of that is we want to try and keep a neutral pelvis. Don't let your hips you know, look like a ship at sea. You want a slight floor, uh, forward lean. Not an excessive forward lean. You don't look like the hunchback of Notre Dame or whatever it is. Um, You want to drive your knees straight over your toes. Just be an athlete. Don't look like you're, uh, you know, running like some duck or something. I don't know. (laughs) You're driving your knees. Driving your knees forward. Um, You want a midfoot strike. You don't want to strike with your heel. Basically, if you strike. What about forefoot? Forefoot and midfoot about the same yeah. thing. Yeah. I hear a lot of that too. Yeah. Forefoot to midfoot is what they found is the best. Heel striking basically is you're basically putting the brakes on every time you land with a heel strike. It might feel weird when you switch your running form your to. Calves, your calves will be a little sore. Oh, yeah. You put, well, you make your calf work. Yeah. Um, you also want, you know, you don't want your feet too far out, pointing out or too far in, like pigeon toed or duck feet. And you also want a little bit of a shorter stride. That's going to allow you not to heel strike. And then it's going to get your cadence better. Cadence. All about the cadence. Yeah. Overstriding usually leads to heel striking, which usually means you're like stop and go, stop and go. And you're going to So this is one that was a misconception that I had for a long time. How do I run faster? Well, I got to reach further. You got to reach further. No, No. actually it's like the opposite. Shorter strides, but higher cadence. Yeah. Higher cadence. Some of the research says about 180 strikes per minute between your two feet. So you should be one, two, three, four. So in a minute, you should strike the ground 180 times, counting both of your feet. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of just what the research says. Try it out. Try it's it gonna, out. It's going to feel really funny. It is. <laughs> and a lot of people are like, wait, did you say don't heel strike? Wait, what do you mean don't heel strike? Isn't that the I reason? I've seen the professional runners, and some of them might. Yeah. But I mean, don't you see our, our shoes, our Hoka's, our Nike's? They got that big old fat heel cushion. Like, the reason is because you're supposed to heel strike, Cam. And the reason is actually you should not heel strike. So, the next question is, what in the world are ground reaction forces? And how does yeah, footwear play into this? We won't get into the whole shoe spiracy. <sighs> yeah. So, I don't want to go too deep into this. But let's just let's just hit some highlights here. You have Newton's third law. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Essentially, what a a ground uh, reaction force is pretty much Newton's third law. Uh, when you strike the ground, you get an equal and opposite action. Um, and typically, this corresponds with a person's body weight. Mm. Kind of like you were saying earlier with the, the split squat, like you're putting all your weight onto one leg. Yep. So this ground reaction force, for every time you strike the ground, the ground reaction force, that equal and opposite is your body weight. Um, 
but this is kind of funny when a person's running it can be two to three times your body weight so that's why you were talking about loading the bar up yeah because it's not just your body weight striking because a lot of people would say that like oh well i can easily do my body weight but like no no it's, it's two more. to three it's two to three it's times now walking is your body weight but running because you have that force striking that the ground the impact so that's two to three times um so the basically what I was finding is the heel striking is going to increase your ground reaction force um, because the stride is longer and greater. Does that, so does that make sense? So yeah. the, the more you're striding, uh, the longer it is, the higher that ground reaction force is going to be versus a and shorter. And the more at risk you're putting yourself in. Yep. Versus a mm-hmm. shorter stride, which is allowing less ground reaction force. Um, so if you don't believe me and you need a visual, stand up right now. So if you're listening, stand up, and I want you to jump up and down on your heels. And take your shoes off, by the way. Take your shoes off, jump yep. up and down on your heels, and then jump up and down on the balls of your feet. And I want you to compare the two. Which one feels better and which one feels worse? Mm-hmm. 100% is going to say, it felt horrible to, to land on my heels. Oh, it's going to hurt. It's going to yeah. hurt. So why would you do that running? Why would, you, why would you stride and land on your heel? Just because there's a cushion on your shoe there doesn't mean you should do that. Mm-mm. And that is going to also lead to more of the shin splints and tibial stress fractures um, than some of those other, like uh, striding with your forefoot or your midfoot. No, you, you kind of have to. So um, how does shoe wear play into this? Okay, so if we're talking about heel striking. So obviously a shoe wear can play a shoe wear can play a huge role because it can influence how you strike the ground. Um now, I just want to say how a person strikes the ground is way more important than the shoes that they wear. Yes. However, um, certain shoes promote a certain type of heel strike versus a midfoot strike. So let's take a look at the running market, shall we? Those right. cushions are so thick. It pretty much screams, please land on me. Please it's land like on pillows. me. It's like little pillows. Um, the thing about this. Barefoot running is what humans did for thousands of years. There weren't any Nike vapor flies or these two inch cushions. Um, so if you want to try and get away from that, I'd, I challenge you to take your shoes off, go into your backyard and run barefoot. That's going to help unlock your natural running form because you're not going to heel strike. You're going to land on your forefoot or mm-hmm. midfoot. You're going to take shorter strides because of, you know, the uneven terrain and, you know, potentially, you know, rocks and stuff like that. I feel like it also connects you more to the ground and how you're striking yeah your foot is going to um, adapt your foot will adapt to the ground versus like uh striking the ground yeah because you're you kind of don't have to pay attention so i have barefoot shoes yeah you have to pay attention if not you're like oh that hurt because i wasn't paying attention yeah and also with that too if you do switch from heel striking to forefoot striking you need to decrease your miles because your muscle your calves your hammies even your quads are going to feel it because they're going to be using doing more of the work you're Let, you might be using it for the first you might be using it for the first time you might you run yeah you actually might okay so that kind of talk that's uh, sums up that question the other one this is super easy well should i cross train should i lift weights while i run guys if you're a runner i'm not trying to convert you to lifting weights but you need to get your butt in the gym and start lifting some weights i think it's going to help there's lot. over there is over 25 years of research that supports 
that lifting weights will improve your running and also decrease your chance of injury. Enough said. We don't even have to. Bl- you don't even have to yeah. labor this point. And I, I think more runners are cognizant of that, and they say, "Oh, you need to cross train," but they still don't emphasize it. They'll say, "Run six times some six times in a week with recovery runs, sprints, tempo, blah blah blah, long run." And then they kind of mention, yeah, "You want to cross maybe, train? Maybe, maybe I'll do if you can." But no, it's really really important. Yeah, I mean, a stronger uh, muscle, stronger body is more resilient. End of story. So you're able to hold better form longer. It mm-hmm. just so get in there, lift yeah. some good weight. Don't you know? Don't just do some calisthenics. You need to lift some weight, and uh, it's going to help you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what does all this mean? We kind of went through a lot of questions here, and I want to start off by saying, look, running is a fantastic form of exercise. It is. It's great. Don't neglect your weightlifting. Okay. If you're a runner, make sure. I mean, we recommend the three, two, one principle, which is you're lifting weights more than you're doing running or some sort of cardio. Mm-hmm. But I understand some people tend to gravitate. We want you to be consistent more than follow some sort of yep. dogmatic approach. So definitely lift weights. Um, running is not bad for your joints. There is research to show it. If anything, it, you'll, you'll feel it more in your soft tissue structures, which are able to adapt and regenerate better than bone. Uh, make sure you're, you're looking at your form. Making sure you know when your yes. form starts to break down. Don't be a, what's it called, a weekend warrior. Um, I'm going to say don't heel strike. I'm just going to throw yeah. that out there. We kind of talked about that. Um, so how do we start? Well, I guess one thing, too, little rabbit trail is for people who want to do both and they don't want to lose their, their gains, mm-hmm. what would you say to them? Uh, are you talking? I'm lifting. Runner? Oh, you're lifting. You want to get into running? Yeah, I'm getting into running, but I don't want to lose my gains. I've been working so hard, Doc. What do I do? You basically have to increase your calories so that so the car- cardio will burn a lot of calories. It's great for your heart, good for your brain, all that kind of stuff. But you just, on those days, you might have to increase your calorie intake by a little bit more. What about protein intake? Protein. Keep, it, keep, t- protein keep the same? Can, yeah, one gram per pound of desired body weight. Okay. Keep that the same. Unless you're trying to like cut, unless you're trying to lose weight, then you could potentially exactly. increase your protein. But, but I yeah. know a lot of people are worried about that. They're like, well, no, just eat a little I'm bit. I'm glad more. that I know that running's good for me, but I don't want to lose my gains. Honestly, uh, it might even you know increase your appetite a little bit to if you're trying to gain, trying to build more muscle. Oh, for those people who have a hard time gaining weight. Yeah, r- doing a little running might make you uh, hungrier, and you know you might want to increase your calories. Anyway. Anyways, um, but thought it would be good. All right. So we want to go through a little how to start because, Cam, that sounds great, but I've never ran before. Maybe my goal, I want to run a mile. What do I do? Mm-hmm. Here we go. And there's a bunch of different scenarios, a bunch of different ways to do it. You know, there's a bunch of different ways to add up to 100, but we're going to we're gonna give you a way right here. First, you need to be able to at least continuously walk a mile. That's like ground zero. If you can't walk a mile, start by trying to build up to walk a mile. You can do it on a track. You can have a Garmin watch. You can, you know, drive your car and see how long a mile is. Oh, one thing. If you start on a treadmill and then go outside, there is a big difference. It is easier on the treadmill than outside. Yeah. So don't get discouraged. If you're like, man, I'm doing like three miles on the treadmill. And then I go outside, I can barely even do a mile and a half. Honestly, I I mean, if if the treadmill is all you got, that's okay. Obviously. It's better than nothing. Better than nothing. Treadmills, in my opinion, don't feel good when I run on them. They feel kind of weird. They feel weird. But uh, first thing, walk a mile. Okay. And the next, we want to incorporate what's called a walk run or a run walk, where you are starting to incorporate a little running into that mile walk. 
Yeah, it's almost like think of a track because it's easy to you know four four laps is one mile. Right, right. Maybe walk a lap, run a lap, walk a lap, run a lap, something like that. Something like that to get you going. And if you okay, let's say you can't run a lap, well, run a quarter of a lap. Exactly. Or do it for time. Like I like I love the track analogy because that's very visual. Or maybe you're a time person. Maybe you just need I'm, I'm going to run for thirty seconds. I'm going to walk for thirty seconds. Yeah, you can even like run the straight part and then walk the little curve. Yeah. Um, Basically, with the little run walk, there has to be some sort of systematic way for you to measure, for you to track, so that you can progress. Yep. Um, there's a, there's some there's some rules out there that you know I don't think they're too much backed up by research, but a lot of people say uh, you can increase your mileage or you can increase your time every week. So not like every workout, but let's say the first week you you do the walk run twice, mm-hmm. and uh, like you said, maybe you did the straightaways and you walked the curves or vice versa, do that on those two runs. And then the next week, try to increase the running time. And then whatever you increase it to, try and keep it for that week. And the next week, try to increase it. But at the end of the day, your body is going to tell you what it, what it needs. Mm-hmm. If you're too, if you're way too sore, you might need to back off a little bit and then work from, from there. But the best thing to do is walk, run, walk until you've been able to run the entire mile. And once you've hit a mile, then that unlocks a whole new window for you because a whole new, a whole new world. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> um, and everyone's starting point's different. So and that uh, also one thing: do not get discouraged because I walk run. It may be several months, mm-hmm. depending on where you're starting. Yeah, as long as you have a systematic way to mm-hmm. track, whether animal says distance or time, that's how you build up. And then I like, like I said, once you get to one mile, that will unlock a whole new world. <laughs> You'll be you'll be able to do the gains start going faster from there. Yes. A lot of times that's like a mental plateau for a lot of people. It's like, oh, my gosh, a mile. And once you hit that, you're like, oh, I can do that now. That feels pretty good. And then usually the gains go quicker. Then you're already going to be at a half a mile then, you know, or sorry, one and a half miles, then one and, you know, two and all that kind of stuff. Um, So I do want to give a quick little thing on what I'm doing. So I'm doing this. It's called a 48 challenge doing that in a couple months it's you run four miles every four hours for 48 hours so like how in the world would you train for running 48 miles how um, would you do that doc so this is how i'm doing it i already have a baseline like i'm i'm in shape i if i strap some running shoes on i can go out and i can run two miles pretty much no problem that's my baseline though that might not be your baseline so i yeah. knew i knew that's where i was at yeah you've been lifting weights too i've been lifting weights um always been doing some sort of cardio whether that's running uh, rocking or, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I started with two miles and once I was able to do two miles and it felt good, like I wasn't sore, I bumped it up to three. And then once three felt good, I bumped it up to four. And now that I'm at four miles, which is that kind of what I needed for this 48 challenge, I'm going to be doing that for the next several months just to build up the volume. So my body is ready for the 48 challenge. So I'm not increasing over four miles because I don't need to. I just need to be able to run four miles and just get more volume yeah. and more runs in. So that's what I'm doing. But that, that's my baseline. No, but someone exactly. else's baseline is the walk. Or maybe yours is a mile. And then from there, you have to progress slowly. No, you have to. And I, I'm trying to do a 5K here in a few months, too. Uh, I've ran before in the past. Uh, did cross country one year in high school, and we've done some other races, but... My approach now that I've you know learned a lot more and better understand how the body works is, I'm definitely gonna try to do 
to power cleans, mm-hmm. more sprints, because I have more a, a somewhat better base since I've been we've been working now and lifting, and I understand the the impact of running. Mm-hmm. And if you work out, it's gonna be easier to to build that base up. Correct. So yeah, a lot more shorter runs. It was like maybe one long run here and there. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. So that about sums it up for today. There was a lot there, but um, running. Not bad for your joints. Good form of exercise. Build up slowly. Walk, run, walk, run. Yeah. So, um, as we kind of always say at the end of every episode, uh, remember you're human. We are not trying to seek uh, perfection, but daily improvement. All right. See you guys. See you.